Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined today by Andrew Erickson and Derek Brown. Fellas, it is February. It is the week after the Super Bowl. We are officially into the offseason. How are we feeling, D-Bro? Oh, baby. I'm feeling great, man. We got new shows popping off. We got Dynasty. We got draft content popping off. Uh, We're going to talk about all these guys, where they can land and stuff. (laughs) <laughs> I do. There is no off season. Like we're talking about, it's the off season. There is no off season. Come on, let's get this out of here. There absolutely is no off season. Debro just mentioned Dynasty. He and Thor, of course, have a new NFL draft podcast that is over on our Dynasty feed. So everybody should definitely check that out for the next few months here, heading into April. Erickson, how are you feeling here now that we're like officially into the off season? I'm ready for it. You know, I th- I think that NFL free agency is really fun to attack because you can tie in all these narratives about this player knows this guy and this coach, because essentially these guys are just looking for jobs. And if you ask anybody about their job, where they got it, how do they get their job? It's because, well, I knew this guy. I knew this guy. That's why I have my job here. I knew Joe Pisapia. That's why I'm here at fantasy pro. That's why I have my job. I knew Andrew Erickson. (laughs) So again, it's just like, we look at it as these guys, they're superstars, but at the end of the day, it's their job. So that's how you can kind of connect the dots. And I'm hoping we're going to be able to do some, dot connecting with some of these players and teams as we head into the off season. I don't know anybody who loves connecting dots more than you do when it comes to this guy played under this coordinator in this other franchise. So they're going to be a trade target. You are, you are the goat of finding those connections. So I have a question on that entire thought process. Uh, Erickson, you ever play connect Four? big fan of that? No. Yes. No. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I dabble. Yeah, there you go. We we once uh, in high school, I was in a philosophy class and our big like kind of midterm grade because we didn't really like they weren't really relevant. These like progress reports. Um, we had a, a class wide connect Four tournament and every round you got to, you got another letter grade up on your like interim progress report. Uh, and I ended up winning. And the only way to get an A on that progress report was to beat the uh, teacher. And I did beat him. So was this I'm not going to connect second four. grade just, or was this a college uh, course? This, like, uh, I had this, to this was this was 12th grade. This is this is senior <laughs> high school. Um, it was uh, it was super fun. And, uh, you know, that's how you know our education system is uh, is in a good spot. Um, <laughs> let's let's jump into the show here. Uh, we are doing an if L not NFL and if L. We are going to throw out some compelling scenarios that we see happening with free agents, a couple of trades mixed in there as well, just general potential offseason scenarios, and then we're going to react. If it plays out this way, what do we think the fantasy ramifications are? So we're going to do, like I said, a couple of trades, mostly free agents. It's not necessarily predictions. We've already done a free agency predictions show. These are scenarios that we think are compelling, and it's really an excuse to talk about you know, what this landing spot would mean for a player at this position what a team change would mean for, you know, a particular high profile player, stuff like that. Is that a fair description you think, Erickson? Yeah, I, I would say so. Again, a lot of stuff is going to change, changes in the betting market. So it'll be interesting to see how these teams uh, play out their off seasons. But yeah, we got to try to assume that something's going to happen. We got to talk about it. 
Yep, this is this is what offseason topics look like. And again, we recognize that many of these players will end up resigning with their teams or going somewhere mm-hmm. else that we didn't predict. This is more just a fun exercise while analyzing the various team situations. Are you ready, D-Bro? Oh, I, I was born ready, baby. I mean, I'm, I'm ready like you were in that Connect Four tournament. Let's go. Oh, oh I, I was very ready for that. Uh, just to give everybody a note, uh, if they want to look at our early 2024 consensus rankings, those and the tiers can be found at fantasypros.com slash rankings. So obviously very subject to change between now and, and next season. But, uh, you know, if we reference roughly where a guy is ranked or where he might be ranked in some of these scenarios, you can check out those rankings there. Again, fantasypros.com slash rankings. Let's start with the quarterbacks. Most important players on the field and here since we did some of the free agent quarterbacks earlier this week we wanted to talk about some of these trade candidates i guess the first one is possibly a cut candidate as well you know in some scenario russell wilson might not be with the denver broncos so we have him going to the falcons as a team that is obviously kind of ready to win now they have a new coach in place they just need the quarterback erickson i'll start with you what would you make of russell wilson to the falcons I think it'd be an interesting fit for him um, teaming up with Zach Robinson, who's come in as the new offensive coordinator. So look, Zach Robinson, he stems from the Sean McVay tree, and that's where Russell Wilson has kind of had his most success. You know, he had success with Shane Waldron in some of his later years in Seattle before kind of things fell off the cliff with some injuries at the end of his Seattle tenure. And then obviously with Denver the last two years just has not worked out for him. So yeah, I, I think it'd be a breath of fresh air. I think anywhere that Wilson goes, where there's a more uh, Shanahan, McVeigh type of scheme, I think works better for him, especially because his mobility is continuing to decrease every single year. He's not making those off-script plays that was so vintage Russ and kind of made him what he was at his peak. That's not no longer the case. So for me, I think it's definitely an upgrade for those pass catchers for what we saw last year and probably the year before. Wilson's a much better thrower than Desmond Ritter, Marcus Mariota, those types of players. So yeah, I think it'd be an overall boost for the offense overall. Debro, is Atlanta the most compelling spot for a quarterback to land in terms of fantasy, just given that they have, again, not only the new coaching staff, an offensive coordinator from the McVay tree, but Drake London and B. John Robinson and Kyle Pitts. I mean, this is a very enticing landing spot for any quarterback to go. I think the two landing spots we're going to cover here with the quarterbacks uh, that we're going to talk about are the two landing spots that I want to see guys go to. Those are the two most compelling. And when you want to talk about like the overall system, the skill players involved and stuff, and a lot of the similar thoughts with, with Erickson, I'm just going to echo here uh, with Robinson coming over. It's definitely a push up as well as, you know, with Arthur Smith leaving, I think we're going to at least see a neutral passing rate somewhere around league average. The Rams last year were 17th Atlanta. I guess everybody probably already knows this. They were bottom five. They were 31st in neutral passing rate. So if we're talking about the quarterback upgrade, plus the scheme changes, it's wheels up for everybody. Russ included Drake London's the guy that I specifically want to highlight here because I've been on record and I'm still going to say it here. If you give Drake London a new, like just league average quarterback play, which Desmond Ritter has never come close to that. Neither is Marcus Mariota. I'm sorry, but it's true. And Taylor Heineke, same thing below average quarterback play all the way through. If you give him league average quarterback play, if you give the Atlanta Falcons, at least league average neutral passing rate, Drake London's catching 95 to 100 balls this year. It's going to freaking happen. He is that type of player. He's an alpha. He's proved it time and time again, both with deeper metrics. I know the counting stats haven't been there, but again, we're talking about the passing volume hasn't been there, and the quarterback play has been terrible. So adding Russell Wilson to this offense, 
I will, I will already be ranking Drake London based off of we think that a quarterback upgrade is coming. If it were to be Russell Wilson, my rank on Drake London will be aggressive this year. Erickson, quickly, if Russell Wilson ends up in Atlanta, what do you think about betting on the Falcons to win the South next year? Oh, well, I bet on them to win the South last mm. year. So, <laughs> yeah. so. it back, roll it back, baby, <laughs> doubling down. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I'm not going to bet on the Buccaneers. I'm not yeah. going to bet on the Saints. So, no. yeah, it would probably come down between the Falcons and potentially the Panthers, who will probably get the best odds on. Um, with Carolina, yeah. just because again, so it, that would have worked this past year. You just wrote on the team that has the longest odds, and that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they won the weakest division. So, from a value perspective, yeah, probably the Falcons and the Panthers would be the two teams I'd be looking at. Debro, I'll let you kind of make the pitch here for the other quarterback we're talking about, a guy that, based on all the evidence, seems extremely likely to be traded. It's Justin Fields. You are the Fields guy, so make the pitch for why you want him to end up in our destination. So as much shade as I've given Arthur Smith as a head coach in Atlanta, we could be kind of rewind. Like there are receipts out there where I've given Arthur Smith a lot of love as an offensive uh, coordinator. He's done a lot of smart things. It's just, can he get out of his own way? But a lot of the parts are pieces about how Arthur Smith designs an offense. There's a lot of good things there, especially if you look at play action and looking at play-action rates. Last year, Desmond Ritter was third in play-action dropback rate. You look at Fields, 17th. More play-action for a passing attack is never a bad thing, as well as you marry this with Justin Fields. We know the mobility is there, and I've been higher on the passing acumen than a lot of people because if you look at different parts or pieces of when he's played extremely well, and I'm not a fan of Lou Getze, but putting him into a competent system, adding more play action for a quarterback that was 15th in yards per attempt difference last year on play action dropbacks versus non-play action dropbacks, it, it's going to be a perfect hand and glove fit for the type of scheme that Arthur Smith wants to run with all the play action. And plus what we've already seen him do in elevating, no, he didn't elevate Desmond Ritter as a quarterback, but just because... Unfortunately, I think that the, the level of quarterback play, you can only have it, it's elevated so much between him and Heineke and Mariota, but we've seen him elevate quarterback play with Ryan Tannehill. So as much as I have been really hard on Arthur Smith as a head coach, I like a lot of the things that he does as an offensive coordinator. We might still be pulling our hair out of, oh, is it a, is Pat Frymuth going to score touchdowns this week? Or, oh, dear Lord, here comes Darnell Washington, seven touchdowns incoming because of the John U. Smith corollary. But for Justin Fields, It'd be great stuff, man. Like I, right now in my ranks right now, not knowing his future landing spot, I have Justin Fields as my QB six. And people might say that's that's aggressive, but how? He's done this over multiple seasons where we've seen top three, top like number one quarterback overall upside in various weeks. Ranking him as a mid-range QB one is not aggressive. Erickson, what do you think about that ranking for Fields while we still don't know his landing spot? And subsequently, where do you think you'd be ranking him if he does end up in Pittsburgh? I think I have him higher than Debro does. I think I have him as a quarterback five, quarterback four. Um, It's just like comes down to the rushing. And the way that Justin Fields wins is with his legs. Like any team that trades for him is going to use his legs. They'd be stupid not to. Like why would you trade for this guy when we know his best weapon is legs? And... When you trade for him, you don't necessarily need to invest a long-term contract in him. So you're not necessarily worried about, oh, we have to send this guy to a long-term deal. Now we have to protect him. We can't have him run, et cetera. When it's like, look, Josh Allen signed a long-term contract and he's still running because it makes him good. So embrace that. The new team, I think, in this case, the Steelers, would definitely embrace it. They've already talked about, yeah, we want to run the football. Okay, so how do you how do you take the ball out of the air? 
you get a mobile quarterback <laughs> and now you got Justin Fields in there. So look, I think that Debra was accurate about talking about Arthur Smith. You have to remove what he did as a head coach and you have to isolate what he's done as an offensive coordinator, which is different because he doesn't have to deal with the, Oh, why isn't Bijan playing enough? It's like, that's not my job. Like I have to run, the, I'm calling the plays on offense. So it's up to Mike Tomlin to decide who's playing when like that's his call. So ask the head coach. So it's like one last thing that Smith has to worry about. He can just focus on the offense. We saw him do it in Tennessee with a run-heavy offense, and he unlocked Ryan Tannehill's ceiling as an uber-efficient passer. Ryan Tannehill in 2019 was second in fantasy points per dropback. And even in 2022 with Marcus Mariota, fifth in fantasy points per dropback. So we've already seen Arthur Smith have a very mobile-driven quarterback in Mariota in multiple stints be productive and efficient. So again, I'm not concerned about the passing volume for Pittsburgh. It's probably not going to be a ton. But Fields is going to be able to be efficient. He has good weapons. He's going to use his legs. So last year, Fields was fifth in fantasy points per dropback in an offense that we had a lot of question marks about. So yeah, I, I would be confident ranking him as a top five fantasy quarterback. And there's no way, at least in my opinion, that you're going to have to draft him as a top five fantasy no. quarterback because of the rhetoric, the narrative around Fields. Oh, we can't throw out. It's like, well, we play fantasy football. So it's a different game. You have to acknowledge that, that it matters so much of his rushing. Again, after week four, he was averaging 22 fantasy points per game. So again, he's going to have a couple of these duds where it's like, for some reason, he just doesn't run in a certain game. But once you get those out of the way and he's running, he's going to be put up fantasy points. Debro, do you just like wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, having a nightmare about him going to the Raiders and being reunited with Luke Getze? Oh, that that's one of the things that where I think that there's no chance that that happens. I mean, yeah. looking yeah, I mean, at Luke Getzey yeah. and that type of marriage, you have to believe as soon as Luke Getzey got got in the uh, the building and he's like, okay, uh, we're not trading for it field. Definitely blah, blah, blah. eliminated like, them from the sweepstakes. Yeah, exactly. I, so, I, kinda, I I disagree. Really? Why, why do you oh, you think, think there's gonna be a, re, a reuniting? Yeah. No. no. And, and again, I I was you know before I kind of dug into it a little bit more, just kind of looking at Fields and his potential landing spots you know i kind of thought the same thing it's like oh he must hate like hate getsy but like i was reading an article from before the week 18 game and getsy was glowingly talking about how he believes in justin fields like and, and and that's something that i think is really important for a quarterback like fields who he needs the offensive coaching staff to buy into him like i need you to believe in me like clearly they obviously had growing pains but again it's still a young quarterback it's a guy that has not been offensive coordinator for that long so yeah, I know we're talking about him landing to the Steelers here, and they're the favorites, but really, I, I would not be surprised if he does go to the Raiders because Luke Getze, at least from what I was reading, believes in Justin Fields, and that's something that should not be undersold, that this offensive play caller believes in me as a quarterback and that I can take development and take another step, and it's also a system he knows, at least. We saw, look, if it wasn't for that injury Justin Fields had with his thumb, this season could have played out way different. Like, he could have progressed much sooner and much faster, but then there was, like, a delay in the middle of the game uh, of the season where he was out for a month without a thumb injury, a hand injury. So he couldn't, it's so I think the, the, the season could have played out differently for Justin Fields as a passer. And again, despite all the downturn, he still did progress as a passer. He was better this past year than the year before. So I wouldn't rule it. Again, I'm not saying you guys are wrong, but I initially thought the same thing it was like, oh, there's no way he's going to the Raiders. But after Doug more into it, it was like, no, I wouldn't necessarily rule that I also, out. I also do kind of think, though, that like sometimes it's just time for a change. Right. And I yeah. just feel like we we've seen what this looks like. And maybe it's through no one's specific fault of their own. But I just kind of feel like it's best for everybody to have kind of a clean slate for both guys. Right, Debra? Yeah. I mean, I think a clean slate is what you're looking for. But 
I, I do want to highlight this because I don't think we've touched on this enough here, regardless of wherever he goes. And, and let's throw the Raiders into this mix. If he goes to the Raiders, he goes to the Steelers. Can we say that confidently that those are both the best surrounding cast of skill players he's ever played with? I mean, you want to talk about Adams, Myers, and uh, Michael Mayer, well, and whoever have, they have. have multiple weapons. Yes, he'll have not, more not than just, one oh, it's guy. DJ Moore or nobody. <laughs> and, oh, wait, Cole Komet can do some things, but I mean, he's not a guy that can take over a the first year he ever had anybody. Like, yeah. we gave him one yeah, guy, I, and what did we, I, we saw, I don't think like, there's a highlights. team he could go to that wouldn't be an improvement over what he's had. I mean, That's Atlanta would be an improvement, Pittsburgh, <laughs> Vegas. I don't think there is a team that is reasonably looking for a quarterback that wouldn't oh, be Patriots an upgrade. would be a downgrade. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That, no, 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 no. quarterbacks. <laughs> That's it. But, I mean, the Patriots adding Marvin Harrison Jr., maybe, if they're trading for fields. Uh, you know, Ohio State, yeah, baby. We'll, We'll see. Uh, get in on the action this season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers who deposit $5 or more can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 back in a bonus bet. The big game tonight is Warriors and Jazz going head-to-head in Utah. The Jazz are getting a point and a half. The total is set at 239.5 on DraftKings. However you plan to bet that one, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FANTASYPROS. New customers can get a no-sweat bet up to $1,000 if your first bet loses. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, one no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash promos for deposit wagering and eligibility restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Guys, let's move to the wide receivers here. We'll start with Mike Evans to the Kansas City Chiefs. This is a connection that we are not the only ones to think about that possibility, given what we've seen from the receivers in Kansas City this season. Of course, it didn't matter with them winning the Super Bowl, but obviously they're going to look to improve that position here in the offseason and Mike Evans, future Hall of Famer, just consistently excellent every single year in Tampa Bay. Debra, I'll start with you. Uh, how big would this be for Mike Evans if he landed up in Kansas City this offseason? I would make sure that I was above consensus, like firmly. Like you could see top five upside from Mike Evans, and now that gets insane. I mean, we just saw what he did the past season with Baker Mayfield. Now you're going to marry him. And, and, I'll, and I'll throw this out here. If you look at Patrick Mahomes' deep ball uh, stats through last year, he was pretty bad as a deep ball passer, regardless of whatever you look at, like highly accurate throw rate, CPOE, whatever, whatever you want to pull up. He was not a good, and I, and I understand that like some context as far as the downfield weapons for Mahomes, but the deeper metrics that, that point to it, he was not a good deep ball passer. But if you go back to the two seasons prior to that, ninth and 12th and, and CPOE on targets 20, 20 or more yards down the field. So that's where Mike Evans, we know makes his money. And as well as giving Patrick Mahomes another legitimate red zone threat. Because right now you got Travis Kelsey and then you got Patrick Mahomes pulling a rabbit out of his hat. Like every single time they get inside the 20, uh, it, no, it, when they get inside the 20, if they get Mike Evans, it's either Kelsey or it's Mike Evans time, baby. And we could see a season out of Mike Evans where he scores 12 to 15 touchdowns. And 
I don't think that's insane because he showed no fall off last year. He showed that he has plenty left in the tank. And I had I had concerns going into not only was the Mayfield stuff, but going into last season, some of his deeper metrics. But it looks like from what we saw between Baker Mayfield and the last season of Tom Brady, some of those numbers might have been tied more to Tom Brady and not any kind of fall off from Mike Evans. So wheels up for me. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned the red zone stuff, Erickson. I want to pitch this to you, but do, do you think that adding Mike Evans would hurt Travis Kelsey? It's I guess it's sort of flawed analysis because they're obviously they're stylistically different, but they're both big bodied and they're both good in the red zone. So if Mike Evans is getting 13 touchdowns, which is what he had last, I mean he has 94 touchdowns in his career. Like he is a guy that is very well used in the red zone, and I assume would be in Kansas City as well. So does that kind of knock? Kelsey, does it knock Pacheco maybe not getting as many rushing touchdowns? You know, what, how does this sort of play out for the rest of the Chiefs that are already there? Yeah, I think that you're accurate with that. I mean, it's going to be all the fantasy points are going to go to Patrick Mahomes' arm and not the running backs and not Travis Kelsey because that's how Travis Kelsey has been so dominant. His red zone role has been elite at tight end, at the tight end position. And again, even in a down year, he still had like eight touchdowns because he's the number one red zone target. That's not going to be the case if Mike Evans is a Chief. And it's funny. I just kind of like this kind of just popped in my head, but this whole season for the Chiefs has really reminded me a lot of the 2006 Patriots. Now that team didn't win the Super Bowl, but it was a team that was very undermanned, made all the way to the AFC Championship game, should not have made it there. But then they realized, hey, we did not give Brady enough weapons. Like we should not have made it this far. And the Chiefs are lucky they won the Super Bowl. Like again, this team was down and out, but every other team just laid an egg when they got the chance to try and play the Chiefs. Like it just didn't work out. Like the Chiefs should not have won the Super Bowl this year based on the offensive personnel. Obviously, their defense was elite and they have Mahomes. But they this was a year they shouldn't have expected to win, but they did. So I think that they are going to be aggressively buy, aggressively buying receivers, whether it's in the draft or free, free agency. And Mike Evans, to me, this reminds me of when the Patriots traded for Randy Moss. Like, they were Ooh. like, no, we're sick of this. We need to go get our guy, <laughs> the best wide receiver we can find. And, and Randy Moss was 30 years old. And then what did he do? Went out and caught 23 touchdowns in 2007. <sighs> So there, people are talking about three-peats. I'm looking at the Chiefs like, hey, why can't they go undefeated? Like, that should be what they're striving to do. Go an undefeated season where they can three-peat. And how do you do that? You add Mike Evans. And again, maybe we're not talking bold predictions here, but it kind of popped in my head. Like, Mike Evans has kind of looked at as, you know, Hall of very, very good, I, I think, because of you mentioned his consistency. But how many times have we looked at Evans as like, oh, he was the best wide receiver in the NFL this season? I think with Patrick Mahomes, he can cement himself in that conversation with a season where he scores 20, 22, 23 touchdowns because he can do that attached to a guy like Mahomes. I, I think he's a Hall of Famer already. I think he's Hall of Famer already. Agreed. Well, no, well, no, what I'm saying, but like when, what's, what have you ever looked at Mike Evans? Like he's the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. No, no, you're, you're right that I don't know that he's ever you're, been the best. Okay, but I, I, I don't think he's been it, number one, but can we say like he's had multiple seasons and that's in, in the top eight to 10? I think in, that a, that, in a sport like football well, too. To 10, in a sport like football, too, durability and consistency you don't think so? is is valuable. I mean, he has a thousand yards every year. Right. But has, how many has, how many times he's gone over fifteen? I, I, no. Ask how many times he's been the best receiver in the NFL. I'm, I, I didn't That's say that. I'm I said asking. how many times? How many times would you have said he was at least top eight to ten? Are we going to say year. none? Oh, every year. Well, but okay, I, but well, I, I want. I want. That's Hall of Fame. Hall of isn't fame. It? It's the Hall of. I'm not. I'm not arguing. Yeah, he's going to get in the Hall of Fame. But I'm saying like he doesn't have that marquee season where he's looked at as the best wide receiver in the NFL. And he could do that with Mahomes. That's all. He's fifteen hundred yards in twenty eighteen. I mean, I mean, arguably this past season, if you look at receptions and yardage and touchdowns all kind of combined, 
Last season might have been his like second best year, maybe. I mean, 2016. And, and was he, he top five? In your opinion, uh, I don't. I don't think so. I don't have the scoring leaders exactly. uh, in front of me. Well, no, but I don't no, think no, he was. not from like a no, fantasy perspective. Just like, I, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with no, that. No, and no, I, yeah, definitely not top five. Real exactly. life. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not dissing Mike Evans. I'm just saying like he hasn't had a guy like Mahomes ever. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's true. That's fair. Well, the one thing I do want to push Brady. back before we keep rolling Older here Tom Brady, though. is I do think that it would help Travis Kelsey because you talked about the down year last year. Kelsey only had five receiving touchdowns, man. Like. So basically, it was they got into the red zone. It was like, oh, we just stopped Travis Kelsey. So Mahomes is going to have to do something like magical, or they're going to have to run the ball with Pacheco. So I think if you add Mike Evans to this equation, you're giving the defense another problem to have to solve for. So I think Kelsey's touchdown numbers would actually come back up. Quickly, just because I have his stats up and I think it's fun. Uh, how many rushing attempts do you think Mike Evans has in his career, Debra? Good Lord. Uh, 10 he's, he's played 154 games you think he has 10 rushing attempts 10. what do you think i don't think it's what do you think erickson one he has 10 rushing yards on one attempt he has <laughs> only, only run <laughs> Let's once go. i didn't know that erickson just career. price is right of me man he was like okay no the zero bid <laughs> he just <laughs> the one dollar <laughs> for, for the record I, I do think mike evans is a hall of famer but i'm just I'm just saying like he doesn't yeah. have in my opinion, that I, I, I don't think you're wrong about him never having been the best receiver in football. Okay. I, I just don't think it matters. I think I, he's been I that think, consistent. No, 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 I, but, I yeah. want to mention that and, and double down on the point that you made about Randy Moss. That type of season would be firmly in play for Mike Evans. And I know yeah. it sounds like we're getting out of our skis, but like, tell me why. Like, like that type of season and that punctuation on his career ledger. I, I, I would never fantastic. put like the 07 Randy Moss season on anybody, but I think he could have his career best season for sure. Yes. Well, like, I, think he, I mean, I like think if you look at the high. guys that have done the consistency when it comes to a thousand receiving yards, like the record that Evans broke, I'm pretty sure was Randy Moss's or Jerry Rice's. So, mm. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on to another receiver, a guy who is clearly, uh, you know, in the back nine of his career, well into the back nine. That's Odell Beckham Jr. And we're putting him on the New York Jets. He's going back to New York. Obviously, this would be, you know, teaming up with Aaron Rodgers. And Odell wasn't that impactful last year. So really, this is kind of an excuse to talk about what it would mean for the Jets to add another piece to that passing attack. Erickson, what do you think? I think it'd be a good depth piece. I mean, they just got no production from anyone else on the field except for Garrett Wilson and from Brees Hall. So again, Aaron Rodgers brought in all of his retread guys and they all did nothing. <laughs> so it's like, hey, Aaron, like we know that you love Alan Lazard, but we really need to get someone that can actually be more dynamic. And I think that Beckham, yeah, I think that even though he did not deliver the contract expectations that the Ravens gave him, um, he still flashed like a lot of big plays. He had a top three average depth of target. He was a really more of a deep threat for the Ravens. He was not really used as more as a possession receiver, even though I think that's more of his game in my opinion. So I think that the Jets could probably use him in a little different way, kind of as a complimentary piece to Garrett Wilson, again, as another red zone weapon, like he's good in the red zone where he can be more crafty with his route running. And obviously the Jets, that was their biggest issue last year was they could not score any touchdowns. And now that comes back to the quarterback play, but having another weapon like OBJ, in New York, I think it'd be a lot of fun. And and if you look at OBJ's metrics from last year, he wasn't horrible, like from a per efficiency kind of standpoint, top 30 in PFF grade. Again, he was generating a lot of big plays and he wasn't running a lot of routes. Like a lot of the times he was playing under 50% of the snaps. So again, whether that's because he's a veteran, he can't run all the routes, not so sure. But I think in New York, he could be at least somewhat serviceable. 
Yeah, I was really surprised that we didn't see him do more in December and January because early in the year, it's like very clear, okay, they're like saving him. They want him to be healthy, you know, later in the season. And then that like late November, early December, he had a couple of games in a row where it was like, okay, like he's not back, but he is like now being used in a way that makes him really fantasy viable. And then it just kind of stopped. And there wasn't, as far as I saw, any sort of like severe injury that was like long-term limiting. He was just kind of like older, I guess. And I don't want to call him washed up or anything because the dude is super talented, but um, I was surprised we didn't get more Debro later in the season. Oh, same. I mean, I, if anybody read the primers from the playoffs, I just kept talking about OBJ and, and how I thought he was, you know, because the coverage matchups and stuff, and it just never came to fruition. But I would honestly love this spot for OBJ if he lands with the jets and, Really, we're going to go back We're in the Wayback Machine. We're going to go back to yesteryear. OBJ would become James Jones circa 2012. That season, if you go pull back, go get, hop back in the Wayback Machine, and you remember James Jones as being Aaron Rodgers' best friend. He only had 784 receiving yards in that season, but he scored 14 freaking touchdowns. And, and, and here's the thing. We've already seen OBJ do this before. If we remember that stretch run after he arrived to the Rams, the seven games he played at to close the regular season there, he scored five freaking touchdowns while only averaging 41 receiving yards. He was on a pace for 700 receiving yards. If he did, okay, the, the full season pace for OBJ with the Rams that year would have been 697 receiving yards and 12 tutties. <laughs> so it's, it's right there for the grabbing, baby. Like OBJ becomes James Jones, Aaron Rodgers' best friend. I hope that doesn't happen because I don't want him to take away too many touchdowns from what I'm hoping will be an amazing Garrett Wilson season yeah. next year. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, let's go to more of an up-and-coming wide receiver, and that's Michael Pittman Jr., I think it's a pretty decent chance he stays with the Colts, but for the sake of this exercise, we want to put him somewhere else and think about what that would look like. And we have Arizona. Now, they're obviously considered maybe the favorites to go after Marvin Harrison Jr. in the draft, but they clearly could use another big-time wide receiver for Kyler Murray. So, Deeper, I'll start with you here. Michael Pittman Jr. to Arizona. What would that mean to you? I mean, look, I, I, in, in this scenario, you can go one of two ways because Pittman arriving there, you could say, OK, now Arizona can go other directions in the draft. Maybe they can address defense. Maybe they trade down all this different stuff. Let's have some fun here, man. Let's give Kyler Murray, Michael Pittman and Marvin Harrison Jr. and Trey McBride and James Connors in the backfield. Arizona is going to be top 10 in scoring. Kyler's going to crush all the things. Bells and whistles are going off. And then Arizona, go address your defense in, in every draft for the next three years after that. That's what I want to see happen. And if that happens... Michael Pittman, we would be talking about his stock maybe goes down considering what we've seen over the last two years, him being the unquestioned one and now being dropped into an offense where he's got to fight for targets on a weekly basis with two pretty elite options. And I know we're giving a lot of praise to Marvin Harrison Jr. who's never even played a snap in the NFL, but come on, it's Marvin Harrison Jr. He's an elite option. Exactly. And Marquise Brown being gone as a free agent. You're going to have a consolidated passing attack. But Kyler Murray, if they were to ramp up the pass, passing rate, he could support all those weapons. So Michael Pittman would probably become a value this year in drafts. Man, Erickson, where would you be ranking Kyler Murray if they really did add both Pittman and Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> on top of the Trey McBride breakout from last year? Pretty high. Uh, a lot higher than I think that he is in consensus and kind of how he's viewed. When I did my early kind of quarterback rankings, you know, Kyler Murray was someone I like called out as like, 
yeah, I'm going to be in on this guy <laughs> because he was yep. productive. Like the first game he came back, like, like okay, like he's probably going to be slow. He's not going to, he's like immediately running around. I'm like, oh, he's healthy. He's fine. He's good to go. So you're layering on, okay, he actually has weapons and he's not playing in this like gimmicky air raid Cliff Kingsbury offense <laughs> and he is running. So all those three things, like this is a elite fantasy quarterback. He's had seasons where he scored over 22 fantasy points per game. Like we harp on or we get stuck on these pocket passers that can never crest that 20 point per game average. And it's like, you're never going to get anywhere with these guys. They're all the same. If you're not going over 20 points, then just get a waiver wire guy. Like you can find whoever is the cheapest of those options. But once you crest over that 20 point threshold, now you're cooking with gas and that's going to be Kyler Murray. Just given if he adds weapons in free agency through the draft, I mean, right now is the time to buy low on Kyler Murray in, in any format, whether it's Dynasty, Best Ball, whatever you're doing, like he's undervalued because it's just going to get better for him. Speaking of the Cardinals, we have Marquise Brown leaving and going to Denver. Erickson, I'll start with you here. What would you oh. make of that setup for him? Um, not, not, not thrilled about it. Uh, I, I don't really know what to think of Marquise Brown because, you know, he was set up really well last year. Like, again, obviously he didn't have Marquis or uh, he didn't have Kyler Murray to start the year, but Kyler Murray came back and Marquise Brown disappeared. <laughs> like he was worse when Kyler Murray came back and then he got hurt. He's been hurt the last two seasons. So mm-hmm. what are we looking at? Like, what's his body of work? He's been a vertical speed receiver that stretches the field but has been inconsistent, never really been a true number one. And now he's kind of, it's kind of, he's going to like a Denver Broncos team that has a bunch of other receivers that we have question marks about too. It was like, oh, Jerry Judy's ever going to do anything. He's ever going to live up to the Alabama pedigree. And then Cortland Sutton, if he got to sell the touchdowns again, well then Marquise Brown, you're out of luck. So again, the fact that he had such a high opportunity last year, 1200 air yards, 25% target share, nearly a 40% air yard share was top 20 in weighted opportunity. And he was horrible. Like he, like, he got all the opportunity in the world last year. Again, the quarterback play wasn't great, but even when Conor Murray came back, like, he was still bad. So I, I think that he's probably going to be discounted enough this year where wherever team he goes to, specifically in this case, Denver, he's probably just worth taking a flyer on because of how his entire body of work. Like, he's not, like, going to be a wide receiver five, but that's probably where he's going to be ranked. And, like, when I look at my rankings, like, that's where he is. <laughs> like, he's, like, in the 40s, 50s, because I can't rank him super high just based on the last two years that we've seen from him. Debra, what do you think about Hollywood Brown potentially to Denver? So I, I, I'll play this scenario plays out a little bit differently in my mind's eye than what Erickson kind of laid out. I think we have to talk about, first of all, this would be the coffin nail for Marvin Mims, who didn't show everything we wanted to see in his rookie season. You add a guy like Marquise Brown, and this is assuming that in this scenario, they would keep Cortland Sutton because the other side of this is Cortland Sutton is not a free agent until 2026, but they could cut him right now and save roughly 10 mil against the cap. So in this scenario, I think you would be looking at it. Let's play it out this way. If they were to cut Cortland Sutton and then they roll with a trio of Marvin Mims, Marquise Brown and Jerry Judy. Now, if they kept Sutton again, coffin nail for Marvin Mims, but cutting Sutton, I would probably be higher on Marquise Brown than maybe some other people because we've seen Jerry Judy is not that guy. Marvin Mims had a disappointing rookie season. We've also seen Sean Payton, and I think that Denver is going to walk into this and walk into 2024 with a different quarterback, obviously, than Russell Wilson. They're not starting Jared Stidham. Now, whether they overpay for Kirk Cousins or they go out and trade for a guy, they move up and try to draft a guy. I think the whole benching of Russell Wilson was to improve their NFL draft spot in the first round to get them within striking distance for a quarterback. Now, 
that didn't work out exactly as planned, but are they still high enough to where it's possible they go go up the board a little bit and go get a quarterback? Because we know that Peyton is going to be like, look, I want my quarterback. I need a quarterback. So I think that gets addressed. And assuming they let go of Sutton, Marquise Brown would be the number one wide receiver there. And we've seen how Sean Payton used Brandon Cooks in a lot of different ways, whether it was on screens, whether it was on motion, got him loose as a guy that, yes, Brandon Cooks is better than Marquise Brown. But even as the dollar store version of Brandon Cooks, I still think what Marquise Brown is going to fall, probably be like a wide receiver four or five, like Garrickson's talking about. But in this scenario, I probably would come in higher on him than consensus. Even with even with Bo Nix as his future quarterback? No, no, never mind. I take it all back. I take it all back. Just fade the entire offense outside of Julio McLaughlin. I take it all back. Never mind. I'm out. If you guys are anything like me, you have had plenty of terrible experiences buying tickets. I was going to a huge Maryland basketball game a couple years ago, and just about everything that could go wrong did go wrong. There were hidden fees. They raised the prices by an obscene amount. Not to mention it was difficult to tell if we could even trust the seller or how good the view would be from the seats. And of course, there were no available deals to make it just a little more affordable. Thankfully, that is never the case with game time. You shouldn't have to worry when buying tickets and with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat and their best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of the ticket buying process. I was on the app just yesterday looking to see about maybe getting tickets to the Wizards Nuggets game. Uh, I'm glad I did not uh, out here in Denver. And it stood out just how easy it was the app to navigate. The ticket buying experience is so smooth. It's immediately clear which tickets are the cheapest and where exactly those seats are. And at the top of the screen, I can see flash deals to make sure I'm getting the best absolute price. Game time is obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last minute seats where you can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for basketball, hockey, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. With zone deals, you pick the section and Game Time picks the seats for big time savings. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code F-A-N-T-A-S-Y-P-R-O-S for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we've got a couple wide receivers here. Calvin Ridley to the Chicago Bears. Deeper, what do you think about that? They could be good, uh, depending on what quarterback ends up in Chicago. I mean, you're looking at, again, fortifying this situation for a young quarterback. Now you'd, you're talking about you'd have DJ Moore, Cole Komet, and Calvin Ridley as your starting trio of pass catchers because Darnell Mooney is a free agent. Don't think they bring him back. Probably either they elevate Tyler Scott or they add somebody else in the draft later. But it would be a good spot for Cal, uh, Calvin Ridley. Like, especially looking at how he was used last year for Jacksonville, a lot of downfield work. Maybe he splits more of that with DJ Moore. And I think Calvin Ridley was somewhat miscast in his role last season. So getting him back to where he's running more short and intermediate routes, uh, I think we, he showed enough last year to say that he's not washed. He's not past the apex. I still think he's a very, very good wide receiver. But I think it'd be a much better NFL fit and better NFL outcome than we'd be talking about in fantasy because I still would project DJ Moore be the wide receiver one there. 
Erickson, a lot of people, including myself, were very excited about Calvin Ridley a year ago. How would yeah, that same. change for you if he's in, in Chicago this year? Yeah, I mean, um, it, was, it was almost consensus that everybody was thinking he was too underranked last year. And then it didn't well, he happen. was overranked. Yeah, it, it did trying, not play try, out that way. Yeah, because we put expectations on a guy who hadn't played in like two years. It's like, oh, wow, of course he's going to come out rusty. And again, after week one, that's exactly what happened. But I, I would downgrade him. I, I want to see him back in Jacksonville. I think that he had an elite opportunity and he just it just didn't come together. But he's the simple case of we may have just been a year early on Calvin Ridley. I really think that's the case in Jackson if he stays in Jacksonville. But in this case, yeah, I, I don't want to see him necessarily go to Chicago for fantasy. He would be the number two behind DJ Moore pretty clearly. And I mean, in Ridley's career, like when he was the number two besides Julio Jones, like he hasn't really ever stepped up necessarily when he's had elite target competition, even this past year, like Christian Kirk was basically neck and neck with him in target share. And then Evan Ingram was the guy that was eating up all the targets, especially underneath. So I I think for Ridley, yes, better real life fit for the Chicago Bears and whoever their quarterback is. So you drop Caleb Williams into that offense with Ridley, DJ Moore, Cole Komet, and like you're feeling really good about a rookie quarterback with his talent but for Ridley as a a fantasy asset I think that he'll just kind of maintain his boomer bust mantra where he's going to have massive games but then it's going to be accompanied by a lot of really really down games you, th- you yeah. think he'd still be like what a wide receiver three for you Erickson yeah he's in he would Chicago. Be basically be the same guy that we're gonna talk about next yeah I'm, I'm glad quickly before I move to the next guy that you mentioned, you know, kind of what it would look like for the quarterback being dropped in there. Because, I mean, like, like DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Cole Komet, like you said, uh, maybe they even add another receiver with the ninth pick, possibly. Like that's mm-hmm. that's about as compelling of a situation as you could be dropped in for a team that's picking number one overall. Obviously, they've earned that or, through or trade, field but still. Stays. Yeah, or, or, or the field to stay, which yeah. I, I yeah. think is unlikely. But um, let's go to that other wide receiver that you mentioned, Gabe Davis, uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Something of a Calvin Ridley replacement here in our theoretical scenario. It's hard to imagine many quarterbacks, obviously, you know, being a better fit for a guy like Davis in terms of the deep passing than Josh Allen, given his arm. Trevor Lawrence, obviously, very talented. Debro, Gabe Davis to Jacksonville Jaguars. Would we be back in on Davis at all? I think you would just look at it as a push. I think Gabe Davis, we know who he is at this this point of his career. And I know Erickson and I have had various iterations. Where we've been in on Gabe Davis. We've been pushing hype train on Gabe Davis and stuff. But at this point, we just have to call it who he is. Like, he's a deep threat. That would be a, a really good marriage. Now, I say a really good marriage, but we've seen, like, the up and downs that Calvin Ridley had last year as the deep threat for Jacksonville. So now you're looking as the watered-down version of that. So I I think Gabe Davis would be a wide receiver four or five, and we're probably just going to see a push because, you know, Lawrence is a very good deep ball uh, thrower in his own right. Last year, he was 12th in deep ball completion rate. So for me, this would be a push, if not a slight downgrade, going from Josh Allen's deep ball to Trevor Lawrence's deep ball and just the the overall complexity of that that Jacksonville offense and how they're going to build it. So for me... If he gets hyped at all, I'll just be lower the consensus or out on him. Erickson, Gabe Davis in Jacksonville. What do you think? Well, I don't think he's going to get hyped. <laughs> There's no way after Gabe <laughs> Davis spent like four straight games without a catch that he's going to get hyped going to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, it's just going to be the same thing. He's going to be a boomer bust guy. It's really going to come down to price. Like that is the, always going to be the question of Gabe Davis. Because if, you, if he's cheap enough, it's like, well, it's worth it because we know he's going to have these big spike weeks because that's his game. Like that's his mantra. And we saw that with Calvin Ridley. Like Calvin Ridley was equally as frustrating to own last year as Gabe Davis was. It was kind of like the Spider-Man meme where Ridley, yes, was getting more opportunity, but again, it was super boomer bust. Just, I remember like comparing the two. I was like, ah, Calvin Ridley is Gabe Davis of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now you have Gabe Davis landing in Jacksonville. And I actually think that 
if they do not retain Calvin Ridley, that this is a realistic outcome. You look at the coaching staff again. I'm connecting the dots here, people. Looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars coaching staff, wide receiver coach Chad Hall was with Buffalo as their wide receiver coach for Davis's first three seasons in the NFL. So there's a connection there. And I do think it's interesting that Jacksonville is one of these teams that they take other teams wide receivers that are kind of like underused in different roles. Like they expanded Christian Kirk's role and he was really productive. Zay Jones, another guy that flashed with the Raiders and then they brought him into Jacksonville and everyone's like, oh, like why are they signing all these like slot receivers? And then he had a bigger role and was really productive. So didn't really work out with Ridley. So yeah, if Gabe Davis was cheap enough, there should be a price where you're like, all right, I can draft Gabe Davis. But if he's going in like, you know, where he was last year or even like two years ago, where it was like fifth, sixth round, like count me out of that. But I think he'll be cheap enough to at least dabble in um, as like your wide receiver five. I, I want to add one more thing here before we move on. Um, just thinking through this, this entire exercise, I would be higher on Christian Kirk because looking at Gabe Davis, he doesn't have the target drawing ability that Calvin Ridley did last year. So I think this would be a quiet bump for Christian Kirk in his ability to earn an even higher target share in 2024. Let's move to the running backs here. Uh, We're talking about Derrick Henry to the Baltimore Ravens. This is a matchup that some people thought about uh, perhaps at the trade deadline this last year. There were some rumors that there was maybe even a deal in place and that the Titans ownership kind of squashed it at the last second. Uh, but King Henry joining that backfield, you know, I think Gus Edwards is probably gone unless they bring him back on a really cheap deal. Uh, but, you know, Derek Henry and Lamar in the backfield together, obviously super, super enticing. Uh, Debra, what would you think about uh, Derek Henry in Charm City? I would be all in. I'd be all in on Derrick Henry. And because this is the thing, people are the first thing that people want to talk about with Derrick Henry is they're going to talk about his age. They're going to talk about, oh, is he is he washed up? Is he not? Like that whole entire thing. He is built different. He's shown us that he is built different. And those type of running backs, and we get fewer and fewer of them that are true unicorns at the position that are really outliers. Derrick Henry is one of those guys. He did not sh- slow down last year. If you want to talk to me about, okay, the age and stuff and oh, the, oh, the mileage and stuff, show me where outside of the counting stats that Derrick Henry slowed down last year. We're still talking about a running back that amongst all running backs with at least 50 carries was ninth in explosive run rate, 11th in yards after contact per attempt. And you're talking about the marriage with the Ravens offense that was fifth in gap run concept rate last year. Derrick Henry's success rate on gap runs was 5.7% higher than on zone runs. So get the big man going downhill and he's still got the juice to break tackles and stiff arm guys into the grave. (sighs) Yeah, I I would love Derrick Henry in this. Yeah, interestingly, the previous four seasons prior to last year, he had 15 fumbles and zero last year. I'm not saying that that's necessarily indicative of anything, but that seemed to be like a real improvement of what we saw out of him last year. Um, you know, the year before 1500 rushing yards, he had th- almost 350 carries in 2022 last year. He just had 280. So of course he was down at about 1100, uh, rushing yards, uh, but still over a dozen touchdowns, both years on the ground. Erickson, I know you talked about this a bit earlier in the week, but just to give a chance for those who didn't see that show and are listening to this one, Derrick Henry in Baltimore, pretty fun, right? I mean, anything to get the Heisman backfield back under center like that's that's what we need at baltimore we had it with mark ingram and lamar jack like we got to bring it back so derrick henry is the easiest way for them to do so it's funny like because the the debro mentioned this at the top like when you talk about derrick henry's like the first thing people are gonna bring up oh he's like 30 right he was also second in the nfl in rushing yards last season (laughs) like people look at it like yes like 
from his standards, right, he's on a de- decline. But when you just compare him to like every other running back, it's like, oh yeah, this guy's still like a top 10 running back. So like, that's <laughs> something to keep in mind. It's like, yeah, maybe he's not the Derrick Henry of old, but he's still better than a lot of other running backs in the mm-hmm. NFL. Like the running back is a dying position. And Derrick Henry, in, even in this form, is still a top 10 guy in my estimates. So I, I love it to, to Baltimore. And I, I, I haven't been on Derrick Henry the last couple of years just because of his price Same. and fantasy. Um, and I think even in Baltimore, like people will find ways to pick holes, especially the fact that first thing that comes to mind is like, oh, he's 30 years old. I'm going to buy the discount. And he won't catch passes. And what if other guys work in? And, and exactly. <laughs> I'd be like, down. I don't care because he's well, going to be an RB2 in drafts. And I'm like, oh, oh, let's go wide receiver heavy early. And then give me Derrick Henry as my hero Gus RB. Edwards didn't catch passes. Off. Yeah. Uh, so, so first, first of all, Derrick Henry has had his two best receiving years of his career the last years. They're not great, obviously, relative to a lot of running backs out there. But maybe, like as he's gotten older, been a little, you know, able to work in more in that area. But more importantly, we just saw what a guy of that style of runner can be in Gus Edwards in Baltimore. And the dude scored like a dozen touchdowns. And that's, a, no offense, but that's a guy at Gus Edwards level. Imagine Derrick Henry in that same role. And the Ravens want to run the ball. Like, and they, it might be in the draft. It might be in free agency. It might be via trade. I don't know. They are going to add a starting running back this season. I will be shocked if they don't. And Derrick Henry is as, as good of a fit as you could possibly have there. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine. I mean, outside of maybe like Josh Jacobs, I can't imagine a running back on the market that I'd rather see in Baltimore than Derrick Henry, right? Is there anybody you can think of, Debra? No, 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 right? No, yeah. I want, I want King Henry. King Henry to be a Raven. Yeah. I want to see him in the purple and black. <laughs> I need this in my life, guys. I need this. The only, the only thing that I could think would be potentially cool would be King Henry in a Texans jersey. Okay. As he Just, goes against. After <laughs> he's <laughs> ruined them for years. <laughs> well, yeah, I well, think that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> D- Derrick Henry uh, does have a lot of tread on his tires. If you need new tires for your car, Discount Tire is your go-to. They have exceptional service, and you get a 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online at DiscountTire.com. They have this really cool feature called Treadwell, which is an online tire buying guide that gives you transparency on tire performance, as well as personalized recommendations based on your location and driving habits. Discount Tire is also the largest independent tire retailer in the country. So it has the biggest selection of tires and wheels. And here's a pro tip from the experts at Discount Tire. You can prevent wear and boost gas mileage by keeping your tires properly inflated. Tire pressure supports the weight of your vehicle and is important to check for safety. So if it's been over a month since you last checked your tire pressure, stop by one of their local stores for a free tire safety and air pressure check. Discount Tire, let's get you taken care of. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 
2025 QX80 coming this summer. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Right now, I want to take some time to celebrate our everyday champions, our cars. Thanks to eBay Motors, we're keeping our rides running as smoothly as our fantasy teams. Our cars are more than just vehicles. They're partners in our daily hustle. They're there for the early morning commutes, the weekend getaways, and every crucial errand in between. Remember those times your car was the MVP, getting you to that important meeting or helping you make a last-minute pickup? Just like the right player in fantasy football, the right car makes all the difference in our daily game of life. The dependability a car provides is one of the cornerstones of our daily lives, which is why it's so important to maintain our vehicles the way we maintain our fantasy teams. Just like a well-managed fantasy team, maintaining your car requires strategy and foresight. It's all about knowing when to make those crucial upgrades or timely repairs. Ever experienced the triumph of a DIY fix on your car? That perfect moment when everything comes together and your vehicle runs as smoothly as planned? That's what eBay Motors brings to the table. Ensuring each part you choose is not just a temporary solution, but a perfect fit for your car's needs. Speaking of perfect fits, whether it's choosing the right fantasy player or finding the ideal part for your car, the right fit can make your day. There's a unique satisfaction when everything falls into place, be it a winning fantasy lineup or a car part that enhances your ride. That's why eBay Motors is dedicated to making sure you get that perfect fit every time. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too with thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Let's move to the next running back here, Saquon Barkley, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Who do still have Joe Mixon as of right now. Erickson, what would Saquon and Cincy mean to you? It means they're all in. I think that the Bengals mm-hmm. really fell short of expectations this year because of injuries. And I think that had they been healthy, they would have given the Chiefs a run for their money in the AFC, you know, alongside with Baltimore. But unfortunately, they did not stay healthy. All their guys were hurt. And I think Saquon Barkley is just an indication of like, hey, like we feel like we can win now. So getting a three down running back upgrade from Joe Mixon, uh, I think that Saquon would be a fantasy RB1. And again, like his supporting cast has just been so bad. Like for every single year, it seems like with the Giants, I-, I think that you could unlock a ceiling with him that we haven't seen really since potentially his rookie year when he was catching passes out of the backfield left and right. And I think that we've seen with Mixon, what he's done in the passing game. I know as a talent, Barkley's a more talented running back than Joe Mixon, even if he hasn't always shown it. Um, I think that we could see a ceiling outcome for Saquon Barkley. If he ends up on the Bengals as a three-down running back. 
Yeah, if he's getting this backfield, that's really exciting for any running back, really, just given the other talent in the offense. But Saquon especially could feels like he very easily take advantage of, of an offense like this, right, D-Bro? Oh, yeah, man. I'm like, look, if you're going to sign Saquon, again, like fleshing this whole entire scenario out, in this scenario, obviously, Joe Mixon has been cut. He's gone. But we also need to talk about all of this hope and hype for Chase Brown would also be snuffed out. So that would be gone. Because Barkley, if you're bringing him in, it's probably on a two, maybe a three-year deal. Probably a three-year deal with only the the real meat potatoes of it is only two years. And in that scenario, yes, they're all in. They're going to use Barkley as a true bell cow. And we've seen what they've done with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon's been, it's not even arguably, he's been bad the last two seasons. He's not breaking tackles. He was not explosive. He was just the guy that was better than everybody else on the depth chart because they had nobody else. So Barkley would be the dude. And it, it depends on where you want to rank him. He would be a locked-in RB1 with top three upside is probably the way I'd be viewing him. Two of the last three years, Debro, under four yards per attempt. Just any concern about as he's getting old? I mean, running backs do age quickly. I mean, he's only 27. Some, it, it, I don't, well, I'm not saying there he's is old, some. But. There is some because last year, if you look at his deeper efficiency metrics, some of those things did fall off for Saquon. He was 33rd in yards up to contact per attempt, 37th in missed tackles forced per attempt. Now, some of these things you could say – because the other part about last season that we also need to give context to is Barkley played a lot of games. He was not truly healthy from over half of the season. Like he was playing all the snaps, but even Barkley was out there telling people, I am not going to be right the rest of the year, but I'm working my way through it for the team. So a truly healthy Saquon Barkley, I think he's got enough tread left where those metrics bounce back. Maybe he's not top 10, top 12 in tackle breaking metrics but seeing him bounce back to where he's in the low 20s and considering that the offensive line is probably a little bit better and the offensive complexion especially scoring opportunities is going to be way better i'd still be high on barkley yeah the, the improved offense would mitigate whatever sort of another mm-hmm. year of aging i think, you I think would, it's you a big deal think. to like not going to the game being like i'm the only chance our team has of scoring yeah yeah, like, yeah. like that was his mindset going in every single <laughs> yeah. game it's like i don't score on this play then we're never going to score. And I yeah. think that wears yeah. on a player where on yep. the Cincinnati Bengals, you're like, I just go on ball because I know we're going to move the ball no matter what. Well, and then he's pressing. He's trying to take a, every exactly. carry for a home run because he's like, well, if I don't do it, <laughs> who's doing it? It's Tommy not, DeVito. Tommy I mean, it's, a good, it's a good not story, Tom. but. Me. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's go to uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, who we mentioned briefly earlier to the Texans. Uh, really? I mean, such, such a fun up and coming offense terrible running game last year but obviously cj stroud going into year two we saw what the receivers can be you know particularly when healthy with tank dell coming back missing kind of that running back piece i mean there's there's stuff to like to a degree about like davian pierce and devin singletary but they're not it they're not like this bell cow gonna really drive the offense on the ground josh jacobs can be that we've seen him be that before uh you know took a step back last year relative to what he had been the year before um, but he's still relatively young, obviously super talented. Debro, Josh Jacobs in Houston. How excited would you be? I wouldn't be. I'd be out. You wouldn't be. I, I wouldn't be. I love CJ Stroud, but I think Josh Jacobs, I think that year of the heavy, insane usage, I think he's cooked, man. I think that you're really? looking at it, DeMarco Murray kind of guy, and not like maybe, P- okay, so in saying that, people are like, well, you're making the case that he has, you know, the second breath of life. I just don't see that we think that we see that out of Josh Jacobs. Like last year, among 68 qualifying running backs, tell me if any of these numbers get you excited, guys. 
He was 50th in missed tackles force per attempt, 60th in yards at a contact per attempt. He was 54th in explosive run rate. And we can say, oh, it was the offensive line. It was a situation. Zamir White didn't have any problems breaking tackles behind the same exact offensive line and looking better than Jacobs did the entire part of the season in the cup of coffee he got as a starter. So I'm out on Jacobs. For me, I would fade him in my ranks. Give me last round Damian Pierce because he's a guy that if you want to talk about where people ended up last year, Damian Pierce had a very, very tough season, but Damian Pierce was also still ninth in missed tackles force per attempt. The offensive line played terrible, and then he came back and Devin Singletary had the job and didn't let go of it. So I'd be out on Jacobs and and on Pierce. Well, I I think I'd be a little more willing to at least give him a chance after the down year last year. I mean, I understand the metrics were pretty bad, but this would be a pretty significant upgrade in offense. And it's an offensive coordinator that we have seen will stick to the run, even if it's not working. So I think he would get at least similar volume to what we had seen previously. And, you know, with the Raiders prior to last season, Erickson, what do you think about the fit? I like it. Uh, so I disagree with D bro because the Jacob season, yeah, he was bad last year, but like that looks like an outlier compared to the rest of his career. Like that last year was his worst season, but every other season he's been a top 24 running back every single year. So why are we now? Oh, well, he had one bad year. He's 26. He's probably washed. Like he's not. He could be. Yeah. And people were saying this about Joe Mixon too. He had one bad year and then was like, oh, he sucks. And then what did he do the next couple of years? He was fine because he was playing in a good Joe offense. Joe Mixon got all the opportunity. And, and yes, it, in that, well, in that ilk, he could. He yeah, could. Jacobs would get he all could. the opportunity in, in Houston if they were signed. He could. Him. So it's not it's not hard to paint a picture of him getting double digit touchdowns in this offense, especially anticipating like a second year leap from what was already an exceptional first season from Stroud. Our, our, our sample size is just larger with Jacobs being productive. Like I faded him last year because he's coming off. Like, you fade the guy that leads the NFL in touches the next year. But then after that, like you have to reset it because it's like, oh, now he's not coming off a, a season where he had 350 touches. Like that's he, not the case. He also just turned 26 four days ago. So exactly. he will be 26 for the full season. For, yeah. for whatever He's that's got a three worth. down skill set. He can catch passes. And we've seen what a Christian McCaffrey level esque player can do in the 49ers offense. But what we saw with Kyle Shanahan and Jacobs can handle that kind of workload that which he's done basically every single year of his career, except for last year. Let's go to the next running back here. Cause we've got to move a little quicker at the end of the show. Tony Pollard to the Eagles, obviously staying within the division in this scenario, going to a better rival of the Cowboys. Pollard is a guy that Erickson was tweeting about earlier this week as some very intriguing stats about why he might be very interesting going into next season. Is he even more so interesting to you, Erickson, if he's in Philly? Yeah, I mean, I think that the fit there with Kellen Moore is good. You know, a player that, or a coach that knows Tony Pollard, knows his strengths and his weaknesses, and was obviously highlighted when Tony Pollard was great and excellent and efficient in 2022. Took a step back last year, but, you know, the stat that I kind of pulled um, on Twitter this past week was, you know, since week 11, basically when Tony Pollard came out and said, hey, like, I finally feel back for my broken leg injury, um, he was PFF's highest graded rusher from week 11 onward in the entire NFL. That was Tony Pollard. So I think that we're going to get, wherever Pollard ends up, we're going to get a more efficient running back than we had seen last year. And I think that he's just the perfect, we were, again, one year too early on him. I think he's the perfect by-low opportunity guy, and any coaching staff is going to put him into a position to succeed, whether it's with Kellen Moore. Now, the question marks are obviously with the touchdowns and the tush push. Like, that's obviously plays a role because Pollard couldn't score a touchdown. So that's the one thing that you have to flag as a potential, it's a red flag, essentially, for any running back that lands um, in Philadelphia, which is obviously what hurt DeAndre Swift this past season. But DeAndre Swift put up career 
highs across the board in terms of rushing production. So you're still going to get, I think, an uber-productive Pollard in Philadelphia, just a matter of the touchdowns again. But again, he'll be much cheaper than a fringe first-round pick in 2024. Debra, remind me where you had Pollard ranked at running backs going into last season. <laughs> Here we go. I just, I just can't Here remember. Here we go. <laughs> I had him at RB1 overall. The process Ooh. was right. The results did not bear out. If you look at his usage, if you look at all the red zone touches, if you look at expected fantasy points per game, and I know those are not paying the bill, but Tony Pollard has the had the worst run bad season. And did we not give enough credit to, okay, coming back from tightrope? Yes. So I'll, I'll own that part of it. But the rest of the process about him getting the role and keeping the role and producing in the role as far as the volume and the opportunities was exactly right. Now, did he do anything as far as tackle breaking? No, because coming back from the tightrope was a big deal. And he wasn't right, like Erickson talked about. But week 11 through 18, after he declared himself right, he was 21st in explosive run rate, 15th in yards after contact per attempt amongst 44 qualifying running backs. So if you're looking at another year off of that procedure and he really gets back to being Tony Pollard, he's going to be ranked, if this were to come to, to fruition, he would be ranked as a low-end RB2, high-end RB3, I think. And Swift, last year, was RB24 in fantasy points per game. Even with all of the Jalen Hurts stealing goal line touches, and if you compare them, I'm sorry, Tony Pollard is still, even at this iteration of his career, he is still a better player than DeAndre Swift. People can push back on that. I don't really care. It's a fact. Because his efficiency and his tackle breaking, and if that comes back, he is better than DeAndre Swift. So airdropping me into this situation, if the efficiency and the tackle breaking goes back to being even closer to 2022 than last season, yeah, Tony Pollard would crush his ADP. Let's get to one last running back here. Austin Eckler to the Commanders. And an interesting one that I really like given the recent coaching additions to Washington staff. Debra, I'll start with you here. Eckler in Washington. Would you be excited there? I'm not going to steal Erickson's thunder. I'm going to let him connect the dots, okay? <laughs> because that's what he does. So I'm going to let him do it. But with that, everything we talked about, I would be lower on Eckler. And I would be higher on Brian Robinson. Because again, we're talking about running backs that unfortunately, look, I love Austin Eckler. I love that he's dove in, he's a big proponent of and supporting fantasy football and all of the things, and every year that he's been out there crushing it. But I think last year we saw he's past the apex, man. And we could talk about the injuries and stuff like that, that, that definitely bears talking about. But amongst 68 qualifying running backs, he was outside the top 52 running backs in explosive run rate, missed tackles forced, and yards of contact per attempt. All of those scream to me that this is a running back on the downside of his career. So despite all the connect, uh, dot connecting that Erickson's about to do, I would be out on Eckler. Yeah, Erickson, obviously a down year last year, but maybe more intrigue here given the coaching stuff. Uh, no, not for me, because I, I think it's going to be no. he's going he's going to be in a no. complimentary role. Like they're not going to stop using Brian Robinson. So, again, like the dot connecting here is Anthony Lynn is now going to be mm -hmm. the commander's new run game coordinator, obviously. He was the head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers when Austin Eckler was a running back there. And in that rendition of Eckler's role, like he split carries with Melvin Gordon. So mm -hmm. again, it's a situation where Eckler <laughs> is going to do his best for himself, but that may not be, oh, I want to put up the best numbers wherever I end up going in free agency. I want to go where I feel comfortable with the coaching staff. And maybe he realizes, hey, well, the thing with Eckler this entire time, he's always been telling, like, I want less carries. 
Like he's always been vocal about that. And now I think he can go to the commanders where he knows he can split carries with Brian Robinson operating more on early down. So maybe we get a little boost of an efficiency from Eckler, but if he's not seeing a red zone role on an offense that may be heralded by a rookie quarterback, like how often are they going to be scoring points? I mean, they threw the, they threw so much last year. They couldn't score touchdowns. So yeah, I think Austin Eckler for me is looking more like a complimentary piece in a running back by committee whether it's in Washington or somewhere else. And I think that if we're looking at, okay, who's going to be this year is like Dalvin Cook, a veteran running back that kind of like falls off the face of the earth. I would look at Eckler more than someone like Jacobs. Like Eckler is two years older than Jacobs. Eckler is 28 years old. So that's where I'm going to kind of, I will agree here with you, bro, that I'm probably going to be out on Eckler. Yeah, I, I agree as well. And also, he will be 29 by the time oh, 29, he yeah. starts. Yeah. So all, his birthday All I heard in all of, our, all of our talk about Austin Eckler is he would be sexier uh, Antonio Gibson. And Antonio Gibson has not worked yeah. out last year or the year before. So yeah. I, I think it's a smart connection to make. But also, like, he's going to a worse offense, which you mentioned. And mm-hmm. also coming off of a bad year. So And they actually have, like, guys you can throw the ball to. Like, yep. like yeah. that's the other thing. Like, Eckler has always thrived because... The Chargers never have anyone else besides yeah. Keenan Allen. <laughs> we didn't even talk about Curtis Samuel. Gonna uh, could he also eat into those short area targets that Eckler would be? Yeah. You know, where well, we would agent, be giving that so role. He may so. not be back. If he's back that's true yeah. too. It's true too. Uh, before we wrap up with the tight ends, why not get a head start on the 2024 season with our best ball draft kit at FantasyPros.com/slash/bestball? It's your go-to resource for best ball rankings, draft strategies, rookie scouting reports, and so much more. Again, that's FantasyPros.com/slash/bestball. Guys, we're kind of up it on time, uh, up against it on time. So tight ends, we'll put them both together. Dalton Schultz to the Bengals. We have they obviously have a needed tight end, and Hunter Henry to the Dolphins. Debra, which one of those sticks out more to you as a more intriguing fit? Schultz, baby. <laughs> I mean, great offense. We know the red zone scoring opportunity is going to be there in 2022. Taking out the noise of Joe Burrow not being there, they were ninth in red zone scoring opportunities. Plus, he be the ever down guy. The entire Bengals depth chart is. It's on the free agency line right now. Like Drew Sample, Tanner Hudson, Mitchell uh, Wilcox, Irv Smith Jr. All of those guys, gone. Maybe they bring back Drew Sample as a blocking guy. But this would be Dalton Schultz's role. And I faded him all last offseason to my detriment. Like he played really well in Houston. You're telling me he's going to get airdropped in Cincinnati and we don't even know if T. Higgins is going to come back? <laughs> yeah, I'd be in on Schultz. Erickson is Schultz also kind of the standout of these two to you, or do you have more interest in Henry? Maybe well, I think that Schultz we're probably looking at like a back end tight end one finish because again, he's in a high powered offense, but there's a lot of mouths to feed in Cincinnati. Like, is he going to get more targets than T Higgins and Jamar chase? Like probably not. So we're looking at, okay, like how can I get the best efficiency that comes with touchdowns? Hunter Henry has been a touchdown machine with the Patriots. He's been a touchdown machine repeat with the Patriots offense the last he, three years. Could he do that again if we sent him to Miami and he was the third yeah, option in that the, offense? Because Raheem Mostert's not going to score 21 touchdowns again. That's fair. <laughs> so That's fair. we know that Miami's going to score a lot of points, especially when they face bad teams. And Hunter Henry could be that guy in the red zone. Again, when Mike Gusecki was still there, he had big weeks because he scored touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And Hunter Henry, that's what he's best at as a red zone weapon. So again, I don't think that either of these guys would necessarily be like, oh, like he's going to break fantasy football, but you're playing the odds. I need to find touchdowns to get tight end production if the targets are not going to necessarily be there from a a vast amount because neither of these guys are going to be the number one or even number two on these respective offenses. So you need touchdown production. I think Henry can definitely carve out a big red zone role in Miami's offense who doesn't really have a lot of depth behind Waddle and Tyreek Hill. 
Well, and we've seen too, like Mike McDaniel comes from an offense, uh, offensive scheme tree that uses the tight end. They just really haven't had that tight end option in yeah. Miami yet. But it's not like his scheme can't use one and is wide receiver mm-hmm. heavy for for whatever reason. So I think that would be really intriguing as well. We will get out of there on that. Thank you everybody for sticking with us for an extra long episode. Uh, again. Where it's just a fun exercise, right? We're not making these predictions, but just kind of how this would play out, landing spot evaluation, all that fun stuff. For Erickson and Debro, I am Ryan Warmly. Everybody, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. If you love the show, the best free way to support us is by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts at fantasypros.com slash review or on Spotify. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. 